0: morning. We will uh, come to Psalm 90 in just a moment, and I'll, I'll read that before Neil comes and opens it to us. Um, but I'm going to lead us in prayer. Um, but we're always involved in prayer, aren't we? When someone leads from the front, um, we all say amen at the end, we make it our own. Um, but during this time of prayer, um, there's going to be two opportunities um, when you can speak. Um, Not to say prayers, but to do two things. One is to mention the name or names of people that you want to bring before the Lord. Quite simple. The other is to mention a nation or a country or countries that you want to bring before the Lord. So I'm going to pause at a couple of points in the prayer, and it'll be quite obvious, hopefully, when that will be. And then you can say out loud, and we'll all say out loud. You're not speaking to each other, you're speaking to the Lord, and you're saying America or Yemen. So there's going to be two opportunities. One, to bring before the Lord and name a person or a number of people. We'll all do it together at the same time. And then another opportunity to mention particular nations in the context of our praying. So let's come to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, when... (coughs) We consider your holiness, O God. We know that we cannot stand before you on our own. And so we thank you for the provision of a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we put our trust and in whose name we come. He is the rock on which we stand And Lord, we do confess our sin and our need of you. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. From everlasting to everlasting. And yet you are near to us. We do thank you for all your goodness to us through all the changing seasons of life. And today, Lord, we want to celebrate with Marjorie. 98 years, Lord, we are sure that she, she has seen much change over the years. And can probably recall uh, Many changes that brought joy and others that perhaps brought sorrow and pain. But we know that you are faithful and you are unchanging. And we thank you for sustaining her over the years. And We thank you for ourselves, Lord, that we too, in many cases, can testify to your faithfulness through the changing seasons of our lives. So today, Lord, we renew our trust in you, knowing you are with us. Unchanged in your majesty, your power, your holiness and your glory. Your love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. And Lord, as we reflect on all the political and social change across our world, which changes the lives of people. Lord, we do pray for those in fear and for all who do not know you. We do pray that they may come to know the unchanging, saving God and be able to say, I will not fear for you are with me. And so Lord, now we mention those known to us by name, those who are on our hearts, and we ask that you may bless them and meet all their needs. We say their names quietly now. And Lord, as we ponder in our hearts people that are dear to us, people we know of who maybe are struggling with change, or the circumstances of life, we pray that they may know your strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, because great is thy faithfulness. And Lord, we bring before you the nations of the world. We mention countries now by name, asking that you may be known in each, and those who lead may do so with truth and justice. And Lord, as we think close to home, we just look at the week ahead. We thank you for the church meeting that's planned for Thursday. And we know that the body of Christ, it changes and it grows. Your church. And Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom as we make decisions. Decisions that will bring change and will respond to change. Pray that there will be a sense of togetherness and a peace that we're in your will. Pray that you will guide us and we thank you for the promise that when two or three gather in the name of Christ, you are with us. Lord, you are at work in each of our lives as we submit ourselves to you you're transforming you're sanctifying, you're making us more like Christ like a potter with clay mould us we pray and Lord as we think of the curry Nights, we do pray for Ali as she speaks we pray for those who come that they may come to know the unchanging God who made them And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to do the adventure cruise, the holiday club. We want to thank you, Lord, for the volunteers. We pray for confidence, Lord, for the children to invite their friends to come along. Pray for those who will be planning and leading the teaching. Lord, we pray that it will be a great time of fun together and the great time of experiencing your love firsthand through the love of this church. And Lord, we pray for parents that they too will feel part of it and welcome and come to the cafe, that they too, young and old, would know something more of the God who is from everlasting to everlasting. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to turn to Psalm 90, which is on page 599 in the Church Blue Bibles. We'll read the whole of the psalm together. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world From everlasting to everlasting, you are God You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just come by Or like a watch in the night Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death And are like the new grass of the morning In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered We're consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands.
1: Thanks very much, Rob. Good morning to you all. I don't know how many of you have heard the, uh, the poem by W.H. Alden called Stop All the Clocks. It was made uh, famous by a film a few years back called um, "For Weddings and a Funeral. The opening, uh, the stanza begins, um, Stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone. And it's basically saying stop all those things which remind me of the shortness and of the futility of this life. It's quite a depressing poem. It ends with the words, I thought the love would last forever. I was wrong. The stars are not wanted now. Put out every one. Pack up the moon and dismantle the sun. Pour away the oceans. Sweep up the wood. For nothing now can ever come to any good. It's very different from the psalm that we're looking at this morning, which also describes the shortness of life. And his troubles and his sorrows. But also talks of a God who brings hope. A God who can cause us to sing, as it says, for joy and be glad all our days. A God who is eternal and unchanging. But is also personal and compassionate. And that's captured in the, the opening two verses of this psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations psalmist is talking to god as one with whom he and the rest of the people have a personal relationship one who's demonstrated that he's trustworthy that he's faithful and we'll come back to that because it goes on to show that he's also an eternal creator god he says before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting you are god Now that verse tells us a lot about the nature of God. He has no beginning. He never began to exist. He was the one who created all things. Before creation there was nothing. There was no such thing as time. There was just God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that comes out in other places in the Bible. In Revelation we read, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's separate from the world he created, and he's therefore not subject to any of its limitations. He's far greater than everything that he has made. He doesn't depend on anyone else for his existence. He is self-existent. But he also brought forth the whole world. So how does he view that? Well it says here, have a look at verse four, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. When we go to bed at the end of the day, uh, we might think back over the events of the day, uh, may replay them in our mind, the conversations that, uh, that took place, maybe the conversations which we didn't have, which we wish we had, had to have had the good things we did the things which we shouldn't have done it's all fresh in our, in our minds and sometimes it's too fresh and we can't even get to sleep because of that but as we begin to, to go further back um, things become a little hazy don't they when people ask you, have you did you have a good week this week sometimes it's hard back to think back Even what did you actually do during this last week and when it gets further back over the last year and more years it becomes more and more hazy But for God, he can see all the events of a thousand years and remember them with as much detail as we can remember the events of one day. It's as if it just happened. In 2 Peter, when um, he quotes this verse, he also adds another line. But do not forget this one thing, he writes, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. With God, a thousand years seem like a day, but also one day seems like a thousand years. Uh, He sees any short period as if it lasts forever. Wayne Grudem tries to um, picture the way God sees time in this little um, diagram that um, is just coming out. He sees the past, the present, and the future simultaneously. So when he's making promises to the the people of, of Israel about their salvation... He can see at the same time Christ coming a couple of thousand years later. He can see us a couple of thousand years after that. He can see Christ coming back again. He can see all of time. It's difficult for, our, for us to really get our, get our heads around this because as for us as humans, um, time is, is a linear thing. And as we get older, it seems to sort of accelerate. It doesn't, but it seems to, doesn't it? We were on a holiday recently and... Uh, I met up with a friend of mine. I was with a university, and he was there with his 19-year-old son. And as as they were coming towards us, I caught sight of his son first. And um, he was the spitting image of his dad 30 years ago at university, as I knew him when I was there. And it just seemed like yesterday. Time flashes past. Our time on this earth is very limited. Have a look at verse 5. It describes it, describes us Like the new grass in the morning In the morning it springs up new But by evening it is dry and withered Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow They quickly pass and we fly away Our lives on this earth will come to an end And however much we like to think we're in control of our own Destiny, we're not. Death is proof of that. If we just focus on making the most of this life because that is all there is, that is all we can see, then we will have a very short and sad existence because however many joys we experience in this life, there will always be troubles and sorrow. And the interesting thing about our lives is that although we know that we will one day die, it still surprises us, doesn't it? Last year it was called the worst year for celebrity deaths. A newspaper article was asking the question, why are so many celebrities dying in 2016? We know <coughs> that we will all grow old, we will one day die. And yet the passing of time and death somehow still surprises us, doesn't it? But doesn't that demonstrate that within us there, there is a sense of something more beyond death? Now, this is not the end. As it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, God has set eternity in the hearts of humankind. Nearly all world religions believe in some form of afterlife. They just have different ideas as to what it's like. Even people who don't have any faith still um, believe that there's something after this life but often because we want to be in control of our lives, we, we come up with our own ideas of what that must look like. God is eternal in that he has no beginning and no end. But he's made us as eternal beings in the sense that we, we have a soul which will continue to live after death. The question is, what will happen to that soul? We'll, we'll come back to that. The psalm here also makes, have a look on, makes makes reference to God's anger or wrath. Have a look at verse 7. It says, we are consumed by your anger. We're terrified by your indignation. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. In our home groups last week, we talked a little bit about God's wrath, and it's um, something we, we often find hard, don't we? Because I guess when we think of wrath or anger, we think of it in human terms. And that is normal. normally a bad thing. It's a sort of violent reaction to something that happens, which threatens us, maybe threatens our security, threatens something that was really important to us. When we lose our money, we might get angry. When we lose our security... Our desire to be in control—we get we get angry when somebody questions us. When we need, lose our need for affirmation, it's all about us and getting our way. That's when we get angry. And if you've been on the receiving end of that, um, it can be fright- quite frightening. Or if you're somebody who finds it hard to control their their anger, you, you're probably aware that it's something they needs dealing with. But God's anger is very different. It's sometimes called a holy anger or a, a righteous anger. It's not selfish, it's not unpredictable. It's a consistent response to everything that is bad in this world. God is perfect in all his attributes. He's perfect in his goodness. It says in James 1, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He knows what is best for us. He's perfect in his mercy. In Malachi it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. He's perfect in his justice. In Deuteronomy it says, he is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. He's perfect in truth. In Numbers it says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. In all those things, God does not change because he cannot become any more good. He cannot become any more merciful or just or truthful. Which is very reassuring, isn't it? Because if he could, then he wouldn't be perfect. But his anger is a righteous response to all those things that are not perfect. To all that is wrong. To all the things that are not good or just or truthful. I think we can understand something of that when we look at the world and we become aware of um, innocent victims of abuse. When we see somebody messing up their life or messing up somebody else's life. When we see lies and injustice. When we hear of the persecution of people just because of what they believe or because of their, their race. If we didn't feel anger in those situations, there would be something wrong, wouldn't there? Because it would mean we wouldn't care And indifference is a much worse emotion than anger. God is angry at us because He's made us for the purpose of enjoying a great relationship with Him. In Him we can have all we possibly need for our joy and our fulfillment for eternity. But instead all of us, we we turn our backs on Him. And we think as creatures, we know better than the creator God, the one who made us, the one who is eternal. But the good news from this psalm is that there is hope, and there is hope for all of us. The first step is understanding God's anger. In verse 11 it says, if only we knew the power of your anger. If only we knew, in other words, just how serious a thing it is to reject God. Because we won't grasp the seriousness of sin unless we grasp the greatness and the majesty of God, the fact that earth was made by him for his glory. As we've seen in the last few weeks in this series, God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-present, he's perfect and deserves our worship. Carries on your wrath, is as great as the fear that is your due fear is another a biblical word which is much misunderstood we we think in human terms it's a negative emotion as it is in human terms because we are afraid of things that might cause us harm things that might take away stuff from us that is good we're afraid of losing stuff or people we're afraid of losing our health we're afraid of losing our, our job but the things we are afraid of are temporary things Things of this world which we will one day lose anyway. The sort of fear that's talked about here is a a response to a holy, awesome, all-powerful God that leads to, to reverence and awe that causes us to give him the honor that is due to him as the owner of this universe. The great, though, encouragement from this psalm is that this great, this awesome, the majestic God who deserves our worship, is not some sort of distant, impersonal force or being. He's actually a personal, loving God whom we can call Father. He's a God with whom we can relate. And the psalmist here knows that, and that's why he, look at verse 13, he calls out to him, Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. God is personal and compassionate. The psalmist knows that the people are under the wrath of God. He knows they deserve to be under the wrath of God. But he's asking God as a personal loving God to turn aside his wrath. He knows God is unchanging in his love and faithfulness. He knows that he brings satisfaction and joy and gladness. And therefore he pleads in verse 14, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years as we have seen trouble. He knows that God is a source of true lasting joy. And he wants to experience that unfailing love by having a relationship with him. <clears throat> but it also seems that he knows there's nothing that people can do themselves to, to restore that relationship. He knows it requires God to take the initiative and have mercy on them. But you might think, well, how can God do that if he's outside of time? If he's timeless and eternal, how can he do that? Because although he is timeless, he acts in time, And we saw that very well illustrated early on, didn't we, with the, the rope. He came into time. At this particular point in history, as the psalmist writes his psalm, he doesn't know how God will have mercy and make it possible for him to relate to God. It was written before Jesus came. But God had a plan. In Galatians 4, it says this, When the set time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. When Jesus was on earth, when he started his ministry, there was a set time for him to die on the cross. And in John's gospel, there are many references to the time, the hour that God had planned. Jesus said this, he said, Yeah, time is coming, and has now come. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Jesus went through his life, we're told that when he, he taught in the temple, the people tried to seize him. Uh, he told them they'd come from the Father, they tried to seize him, but this is what it says no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. But eventually we get to that moment. In time. And Jesus prays to the Father on the night he was about to be arrested. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. It's this moment that God has planned since the beginning of time. The moment that changes human history. is on the cross that God's wrath is turned aside from us who deserve it and onto Christ who doesn't deserve it. And what is going on here? Well, this is the only solution to how a rebellious human race could be reconciled to a perfect, loving, just God. By God himself becoming man. As he represented the human race, as he acted as a perfect sacrifice, the sins of the world were atoned for, and justice was also done. So when the psalmist cries out here in verse 16, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. He's saying, let us see the magnitude. Let us see the splendor of your love. He's not saying, look at our deeds. Surely they're good enough to make you love us. No, he's saying, we know there's nothing that we can do that will be enough to make you love us. It's down to you and whether you are willing to love us even though we don't deserve it. Show us your deeds. Show us your acts of love. What is the greatest deed that God has done for us? What is the greatest act of love? Well, we're told in Romans 5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That was when God came into time to deal with a problem facing humankind that is when God answered the prayer of the psalmist may the favour of the Lord our God rest on us as we come towards the end we live in a changing world our lives on this earth are finite our time is limited and we don't know what the future holds we're told our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures yeah, the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. And that is why we often crave security. We crave certainty. However much we try and create that for ourselves, we will fail. And the more we try, the more we will get frustrated. But the great news is we don't need to. Because we have a God who is from everlasting to everlasting. A God who is eternal and unchanging, but he's also personal. And compassionate, and He sent His Son to deal with all the uncertainty, all the brokenness of this world. All we need to do is trust in Him. He is reliable. He is enduring. As the Psalmist starts his Psalm, he with those words, "Lord, You've been our dwelling place, our dwelling place throughout all generations." And as we do trust in Him, we will experience peace. We have experienced hope for the future. How will that trust in Christ change the way we live in this life? It doesn't take away the troubles, but it allows us to put them in perspective as, as momentary troubles compared to an eternity without pain, without suffering. It allows us to see them as ways in which God is making us more like Jesus, preparing us for an eternal future with him. It takes away our fear of death. We have nothing to fear when it comes to judgment because God's judgment has fallen on Christ. And it helps us to be wise in our use of time on this earth. We read in verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So however either young or old you are, from 18 months to a, to 98 years, don't waste your time on this earth, but use it wisely as you seek to glorify God in all you do. Amen. Let's just have a moment of quiet to reflect on what God has been saying to each one of us. And then I'll pray in a moment. Lord God, we confess that it's hard to really get our heads around what it means for you to be eternal. And yet yeah, we also know that you have put a sense of eternity in our hearts. We know there is something more than this; uh, all this uh, life has to offer. Lord, we thank you that we can know you, that you've made it possible for us to know you. We thank you that you entered time, you revealed yourself to us through Jesus Christ. And you made it possible for us to know you, to relate to you and to enjoy the gladness and everything that you offer from, from knowing that God, who is his personal and compassionate. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that as we trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and that greatest act of love, that we can look forward to an eternity with you. Lord, help us in this life to number our days, to use them wisely, and to prepare ourselves for that eternity with you. And we will see you in all your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.